You are listening to Your Blessed Life Podcast, episode 24. God is not hiding from you, Amen. from us. He, he is the God who wants to be found, and he's big. He's not, he's easy to find. And if you will have the courage, and truth requires courage, if you will have the courage to pursue God and let the chips fall on where he might be and who he might be, you'll find him. Let the stories and teachings of today's top Christian leaders inspire and move you to releasing God's best for your life. With your host, best-selling author and certified Christian life coach, Jay Marsh. Welcome to Your Blessed Life. Well, welcome to the show, Blessed Nation. I want to welcome you to today's episode. I've got an exciting episode for you today. Jay Marsh here, and it's great to be with you guys. I want to get right into the show here because I've got a lot of really cool questions that I want to ask Will. And, and that's our featured guest. I'd like to introduce you, Bless Nation, to Will Davis Jr. Hey, Will, welcome to Your Blessed Life. Hello, Jay and Blessed Nation. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, amen. Well, I'm glad to get to have you. It's so cool. We were chatting about this a while ago. Will, to know that not only are we uh, connected here by the awesome technology of the internet, but we're just a mere 60, 70 miles down the road from each other. You're in Austin. I'm in San Antonio. Yeah, and I love San Antonio. It's, it's, I have a picture from the Alamo on my office door that gives me perspective every day when I walk out. I'm going into a battle, so I'm a big fan of your town, obviously. All right. Yeah, me too. Well, I've got lots of friends that are in your area, so I'm, I'm a kind of an Austin commuter at times myself. Well, what I thought I'd do, Wells, I, I want to share with Bless Nation a little bit about you. Okay. And then at the end, if you wouldn't mind, I thought we could do something that, that makes it even a little more fun. Maybe share with us a hidden talent or maybe share <laughs> something with us that not everybody knows about Will Davis. Would you mind doing that after we do your little intro here? I'll have to think long and hard, but yeah, I'm, I'll do my best. Okay, cool. Well, Bless Nation, so as we just talked about, Will Davis is is from is from Austin and he's he resides there now and in fact, he was actually born there. Will and his wife Susie, they have three grown children. And Will is the senior and founding pastor. Is that right, Will? Also the founding pastor? Yeah, we started in 1993. 93, all right, of the Austin Christian Fellowship. You know, that reminds me I have a question I just thought of, Will, that I wanted to ask you, and it's related to your book. So you guys have a relatively new campus. I say relatively new. It, it seems like it is in the book, but it might not be the case. But here's my question. So you tell this really neat story about this guy named Lloyd in your book. And this was the guy that you guys, as a church, bought, your, bought the land from, right? That's correct. And, this, and he was not a believer in God. I believe you said he was a, pretty much an agnostic type guy. So here was my question as I'm reading through this. So were you already visiting the idea or writing this book when you met Lloyd or where was, where was um, this book in the process when you met Lloyd? I'm just curious. I, I think that the, the idea for the book maybe it predated my meeting of Dr. Hampton Lloyd, but he was such a great live, colorful example of one of the points I was trying to make that he earned a place in the book. The story I tell of him is great and funny, and he was a piece of work. And he used to say, I hate preachers, but you're better than most. And so he would tolerate me. <laughs> and he would I mean, he really would just tolerate me. And we had, we'd go around and around and have a blast. So he earned, he earned his way in, if not for nothing else, but due to color alone, he earned his way in the book. Yeah, he sounds like a colorful guy. 
Well, so, and you've been speaking of interesting guys. I mean, you have been in the ministry, what, since you were 18 or 19 yeah. or so? I grew up in a great church in Austin that really had a, um, a bent toward helping kids think about going into ministry. They pushed it hard, and I was surrounded by a lot of really, really godly men who modeled that for me and a family that supported it. And when I, my senior year in high school, I, I felt a pretty strong calling on my life to enter full-time Christian ministry. I had no idea what that meant at the time, but my wife had a similar experience about a year and a half later when four years had been dating. And so we've both been in ministry since... 1980 and 1982, and have never looked back. Wow. Wow. So we're coming up on like 30. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. The point about it, Jay, is I'm old. <laughs> I have to get my calculator, Will, yeah, to do the math you. on thank that. Thank you so much. That's great. <laughs> I won't get it out. It's 30-something. Okay. 30. It's long. <laughs> it is. A, and I feel long, every man. year of it every day. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I don't know if I completely believe that because I also know that you love to hike and that you will hike about any type of peak. So you must be in really good shape. Well, I ha the best part is I have a brand new knee. So that's the part that's doing really well. The rest of me feels like an old man. And if you want the fun fact, that's probably it. I am um, a 54-year-old Texan trying to climb all the 14,000-foot mountains in Colorado. And I've done, they're 58, I've done 39 of them. So, wow, that is a fun fact. Uh, that's a, that's it's and you feel it, and there's no easy ones. I'm going up next week actually to try to do three more. So I love it. It's addicting. It's great recreation. You see God there, and God willing, I'll finish all of them in the next couple of years. Wow, that's that's an awesome challenge. Yeah. Well, I I have no doubt that you'll you'll make that challenge become a reality. Well, so I'll let you know. We'll see. Yeah, do do. Well, I appreciate you sharing some of that fun stuff with us. It's nice to just to get to know you a little bit from the outside. But kind of the next segment, if you will, of the show is I want to get to know you and I want Bless Nation to get to know you from the inside out. I know there's a lot of things that we could talk about, but what I really want to talk about is this book. And I think, Bless Nation, that you'll get to know a lot about Will as we dive into this book. So, Bless Nation, the book that we're going to talk about that Will wrote is called A Man Who Told Us the Truth. And just the title itself kind of makes you want to open it up and say, okay, well, what is this guy talking about? And so that leads me to a question, Will, and it's simply this. Why did you write this book? And what does this idea of truth mean to you? I was having a quiet time in Colorado at a, at a cabin we go up to a lot. And I was reading along in John. John's my favorite gospel. I love it dearly. And I remember reading in John 8, verse 40, the phrase, Jesus says, you know, I'm the man who told you the truth that you heard from God, that I heard from God. And I'm sure I've read it a dozen times before. It just hit me. And I'm the guy who's told you the truth, and the truth I, I've told you is from God himself. Jay, that, that moment forever changed how I see Jesus. And it kind of added weight and substance to what I already thought was a pretty weighty and substantive, substantial ministry. And I think I knew right then I was going to write a book about it. And I was in Austin. I have a heart for unbelieving people. I, I deal with unbelievers every day. I have close friendships with many. And I knew I want to write a book and present Jesus to these people as the guy who told us the truth he heard from God and the guy you can trust to know truth. And so I just I'd never written a book. I'd never written anything. I, did, I wasn't even thinking about publishing. So out came this book, and it sat on my hard drive for a better part of a decade until we published it last February. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a great story. Truth, to me, is not a concept. 
and I think you'll agree with this, truth is a person, which is what's so shocking about it. Truth is an absolute, is immovable. It's, it's like in the, in the world of physics, it's like gravity. It just doesn't negotiate well. And in the spiritual realm, the, the realm of ultimate realities, truth is, is more than a concept. It is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, he is a person who's come to make himself known. And you can actually have a relationship with truth and know how truth changes everything in your life. And I really want, as you do, people to know that truth and to experience that truth and to be loved by that truth and love that truth. It's the same concept as wisdom in Proverbs. Wisdom is just nothing but a, a forerunner in Proverbs to Jesus Christ. Truth is the same. And yeah. my, my life's mission is to help people understand the truth. Well, and the truth, as you know, it does something that's really cool, and it doesn't put you in bondage. It does the exact opposite. It sets you free. And it's ironic. It's not ironic. It's fitting that the truth that will set you free is Christ. Christ will set you free. Yeah, we, that's a great point. And we, we tend to see religion or relationship with God as restrictive. And because truth puts up barriers, truth says this is what's real and not real, real true or false, that feels on the surface like we lose freedom. When in reality, it, it, understanding where life begins and ends, understanding where joy begins and ends, is what, what in fact liberates. So even though truth can cut and truth can be painful, Jesus is dead on. He said truth can set you free. By the way, 60 miles up the road from you, I'm at, I go you know, nearby a university every day, University of Texas, that its trademark building, the University of Texas Tower, which you've all seen, has etched on its all four sides of it, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And when that was etched in stone, the man who did so did not even know what it meant or where it came from. Wow. And I love, I love that the words of one of the greatest thinkers in history, who happened to be a Jewish carpenter turned philosopher turned rabbi, are on the walls of UT campus. And 50,000 students walk around that phrase every day, having no idea that the truth that is to be pursued is not academic truth, but ultimately spiritual truth, a relationship with God. Yeah, that is that is so awesome. That'll preach, that'll preach right there, man, for it sure. Sh- it sure will. <laughs> it sure will. And how wild is it that the author did not even realize that it was penned? Well, not oh, it's penned, a great but story. Jesus. He was he was a guy that was young and rough and kind of a rough and tumble guy, and laying on a scaffolding in the heat of University of Texas. You know, how many hundreds of feet up in the air trying to sca- etch this thing in? And he said he was cussing every minute, having to do it. And years later in life, somebody showed him that, that verse in the Bible, and he was like, I realized right then what my life's purpose had been, was to put the words of Christ on the skyline of the city of Austin so everybody could see it. Now, that's, that's cool. That is. That is. Well, you know, that, that whole, this whole dialogue makes me think of a kind of a, a, a challenging question. You know, so if, if Jesus is the truth, and if we know that the truth will set us free, how can we trust the fact that what Jesus is telling us is truth? How can we even trust that the Bible is true? I mean, do you ever get that question? I know that's a deep, that's a grand slam question, but how can, how can people trust the Bible? So that's a great question. And there's really two questions in there. I'll, I'll answer the second one. If you want me to chase the first, I will. But the first question you ask is, how can people trust that Jesus is the truth? I think we'll get back to that. The second one is, how can people trust the Bible as a source of truth? And those are two distinctly different questions and both worth asking and answering, and they're fair. You should not trust anything at face value. 
I mean, truth, if it is to be pursued, is worth doing homework over. And so I don't expect anybody in this postmodern world to pick up a Bible and just assume it's the Word of God when there are so many proposed sources of truth and reality out there. So what I think you should do when you study anything, the Bhavigad Gita, the source of Hinduism, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, the Bible, is do your homework and look for evidences of inspiration. Look for evidences of things that might indeed imply divine as opposed to human authorship. And there are lots of evidences you can, you can throw up and, and see, does this have the marks on it and the messages of it? Everything from how it has stood up to the test of time and history to numbers of contributors and diversities as such. Is it one man who wrote it? Is it multiple people who wrote it? The time it took to put it together, consistency throughout, back to front, front to back, verifiable things it teaches and asserts, and just its overall message. And if you start doing that with the Bible, it's impressive. And I'm obviously lost probably some objectivity in the last 40 years of following Christ, but when I weigh it against other books and even other historical documents, it's, it's untouchable. So I think, yes, if you just believe the Bible is the Word of God, it's even easier. If you don't know for sure, go ahead and put a test to it. Look, look at what are those evidences of authentic divine inspiration. What might they look like? Throw the Bible and the Quran and the Book of Mormon or whatever side by side and see what stands the test. And I think you'll be very impressed with how the Bible uh, stands up. Ultimately, it's faith, Jay. I mean, you can't prove it. You can't prove the Bible to be the Word of God. At some point, faith's got to kick in. But there's a lot of things that can get you toward faith just by studying where the Bible came from. Yeah, indeed. Well, I'm glad that you shared that with us because it, it gives us a perspective to not trust anything on face value, to do your due diligence, to take the time to research it and look into it, and then look into your own heart to see if it's connecting. Yeah. And that's a great last phrase, bro. I believe that God is pursuing all people, regardless of age or race or religious affiliation or whatever, or lack thereof. God pursues people. He loves them. And if you will seek truth, this, the Bible promises you will find it. It's not, and, and it's like playing hide-and-go-seek with a kid. You know, the kid may hide, but he really, the fun part is being found. <laughs> and so he doesn't hide very well. God is not hiding from you, Amen. from us. He, he is the God who wants to be found, and he's big. He's not... He's easy to find. And if you will have the courage, and truth requires courage, if you will have the courage to pursue God and let the chips fall on where he might be and who he might be, you'll find him. I don't think it takes, I don't think it has a lot of integrity in it to, to go pursue truth, but to put restrictions up front on what you're willing to find as truth. You gotta let truth be truth. And if it's if it requires an adjustment of your thinking on your part or your behavior on so be it. It's still truth and truth sets free. If you have the courage to find God and let him be who he is, you'll find him. Yeah, I agree. I, I completely agree. And I think that's part of the litmus test. If you will just get out there and do the work, that will activate your faith and it'll kind of connect it and bring it full circle. And, and then you'll need to be in a position where uh, you want to feed that faith even more. Yes, sir. Well, so that was kind of the second part of the question. But how do we know that that Jesus is, in fact, the truth? That's an, there you go, and I'll give initially the same answer. Evidences of inspiration. Is, is there anything yeah. in Jesus' life and ministry that would suggest that he might be something other than just a really well-intended human? And again, if you do your homework, 
the evidence is, is more than overwhelming, not the least of which piece might be even his resurrection from the dead. I mean, that, that's a pretty big one right there. And, and Easter rolls around every year and people don't think about it. But if you'll do the historical research, you know, put, put test tube stuff on this and say, whatever happened to the body of Jesus, the number of eyewitness accounts and the seismic shift in the momentum of the lives of those followers of Jesus who went from hiding and running and betraying and denying him to boldly proclaiming him as alive and spending the next 50, 60 years writing and teaching it, that's a pretty dramatic shift of momentum. Something sparked that. I would believe that the resurrection, if you add in the nature of what Christ taught, his others-centered message, his, his counterintuitive, countercultural call to love others more than you love yourself, to pray for your enemies, to, to a moral purity that can only be achieved through divine help, all those things, the evidence is pretty hefty that he was some other, other than just a human. Now again, ultimately it's faith. You can't prove Christ to be the Son of God. But there's a boatload of evidence that suggests that he was. Yeah, you know, Jesus is just known for making these amazing claims. These amazing, well, some of them would call outlandish, some, some people would say they're outlandish claims or outlandish stands. And what you just said kind of makes me think about one of those things that Jesus said. And in your book, you subtitled this section, The Deal Breaker, which I love that subtitle because... And in having conversations with folks, and we get to the point in the conversation about Jesus, we're talking about Jesus, and we say, you know, the Word of God in John fourteen six says that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And of course, Jesus is saying this, and for a lot of people, that can be a deal breaker, that there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to God through Jesus. I mean, how... How do, you, how do you communicate that in love, but in truth with people? Well, I think, it's, I think it's pitched or preached or misinterpreted, first of all, to be this exclusive. It is exclusive, but to be this negative thing. And, and it really is a really, Jesus is saying, look, there is a way, there is a truth, and there is a life. And you, you're looking for all three, by the way. You're looking for a way, you're looking for truth, you're looking for life. Guess what? It's there. But it's not intangible. It's real tangible. I'm it. And I'm going to make a way for all people to come to God through my death and my burial and my resurrection. So it begins, it's not a prohibitive thing at all. The part that is exclusive is that no one comes to the Father but through me. That's true. But let me put some perspective on it for you. Everybody that's listening walked into the room they're in or the car they're in through a door. I bet none of you know who built that doorway. Unless you built the house or car you're in yourself, you don't have any idea who put that door there. Right. Somebody created a way for you, and you may not know them, but the way is still the way into that room or house. That's what Jesus did for everybody in history. He created a way for us to get to God that is exclusive to any other means, and that is the death, His death on the cross and the covering for sins. Now, people may find that way through different means, and we'll talk about that, I think, in a question here in a minute. But somebody had to clear a path to God on behalf of all humans, Jesus did it. And what he said is, no one's getting to God unless I do something. Unless I do what I'm about to do. Remember, he said those, those words just an hour or two before he was arrested and, and ultimately executed. Jesus is saying, unless I step up and do something and become the way to God, there is going to be no way to God. 
And he did in his death, and he did so, and thus opened the door for all people to come to know God and be saved. It's really an amazing, inviting statement. And it is exclusive. There, there aren't other religions, therefore, are ruled out. You can't get to God by trying hard. You can't get to God through karma and reincarnation. You can't get to God by winning the lottery. There, it, is, it is through Christ alone that the price has been paid. But it's still really good news, not bad news at all. Yeah, it is. I mean, that is is so refreshing. And it reminds me of what we were just talking about a while ago, how the truth will set you free. Yeah. The fact that Christ is the way sets you free because it establishes a way. There's There doesn't have to be a question. You don't have to wonder, am I doing that right? Yeah, just, the, the, the scandal, Jay, which you mentioned is, what if I don't like that way? I mean, what if I want to make my own way to God? Because the way of Christ requires discipleship. It requires denying yourself and coming to Him. And if I don't want to do that, then you may try to create other ways to God, which the Bible calls religion, but they're not going to deal with that internal issue of sin, which is the deal breaker, which keeps us from knowing God. And so if you're not comfortable the way Christ provides, which requires confessing Him as Lord and surrendering to Him because He is, then it is going to be exclusive for you. Well, that's good. I love the way that you frame this whole idea that he is the way, the truth, and the life, because it flips what some would like to use as a negative, and it shines light on it to be the positive that it is. Yeah. I love that. Well, you know, Will, before we roll into that that next question that you were kind of alluding to, I want to check in with everybody here at Blessed Nation. I'm hopeful and, and even prayerful that this episode is, is resonating with you guys. I mean, you can see why I have Will on the show. I mean, just these types of questions, they're so, well, they're, they're kind of raw. I mean, they're kind of the questions that you, you want to ask, but maybe you don't get the opportunity to ask or you're not sure if you should ask. <laughs> so I, I appreciate these types of questions. And I want to ask you, Blessed Nation, if, if this episode is speaking to you, if it's, if it's helping you, if it's blessing you, I just want to invite you to subscribe to the show. And it's easy to do. You can do it with the click of a button if you're on the website right now, or even if you're on iTunes, there's a purple button that says subscribe, and you can you can hit it while you're listening. And if you do that, we greatly appreciate your support for the show for doing that. So thank you for doing that. Well, Will, on this fourth question, and this is really the final question that I have for you. Actually, I wish we could go about another 30 minutes because I actually have about 10 questions, <laughs> but I knew I had to limit it to four and I wanted them to be connected. And so this fourth one, I know these are kind of questions that I get from folks too. And so it's so fitting that we can, we can be able to come together and, and have a plan on, on how, to, how to open the proverbial door for folks. So if John 14, 6 is the way to God, and if the way to God is through Christ, what about those folks that haven't had the opportunity to hear the message, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I say those folks, I mean people that you and I might know, and really even people that might be hundreds and thousands of years deceased. What about those folks? Yeah, and the folks pre-Christ. That's a, that's a great question, and it's one I deal with in Austin, Texas, pretty much every day because of the nature of the thinking clientele that we deal with in Austin. And it's fair. It's a fair question. It's not one we should stick our heads in the sand on. The, the, new, the answer is even better than the question. The question's a great question. The news on the answer is so good. So I mentioned earlier people who walk through the door without knowing who made the door. Jesus is the door to God. He, he made that way to God possible by shedding his blood. But you're right. Before, before Jesus, 
with the exception of the nation of Israel and some nations that obviously had an awareness of God and had priesthoods and, and religions that sought the God of Israel, there are a lot of people who will never heard of Jesus. Right. So how do those people, or how do people in the world today that never heard of Jesus, how do people in the world before or after Christ who did not know of God or know of Jesus get to heaven or do they? Because a lot of accusation is they're automatically condemned. God sends people to hell without any chance. That's a bunch of junk. Don't believe it. Before God ever created a single human, Adam, on that next, that last day of creation, he, he spent three days creating a world, a magnificent world that would do nothing but scream him to the humans he's going to ultimately create. The animals, plant life, the, the majestic heavens he created, all point to this overwhelming power that's good and just and holy that cannot be negotiated with and can only be worshipped. And the Bible says every human being has undeniable, amazing access to God and to the reality of God just from a sunrise and a sunset, from a Central Texas blue bonnet, from a, holding a, a newborn baby's hand or an eagle soaring across the sky or a mountain stream or whatever. That is laced with the truth that there's a creating, loving God who cannot be bargained with, who must only be bowed down and worshipped and humbled before. And that people all throughout history have seen that God and named him different things. But they don't change his characteristics. He's holy and non-negotiable. And those in history who have done so, Christ becomes the way for them. They don't know who Christ is, but there is a way to God. It's through Christ's blood. When, so when some guy 6,000 years ago understands through creation, look, this, this is not an accident. Somebody amazing did this. I humble myself and worship this God that I call whatever. The Bible teaches that faith, like Abraham, is credited to him as righteousness. And when Jesus' blood was shed on the cross, it covered all of his sin. And there are going to be countless people in heaven who have never heard the name of Jesus on this side of things, who will be there worshiping him as their Savior and Lord because he became their way when they surrendered to him. Now, that does not mean that a religion that promotes a God who is manipulative or can be bribed or who is cruel or any of those things, that's not the same. The, the, God, the gods of the religions of today are not the God as revealed in creation. He's non-negotiable, he's holy, he's just, and he's good. That's how nature spells him out. And so I'm not saying that all these religions are right, too. They're not. The gods they worship are different. But those who come to God humbly through what they see in creation, if that's all they have, Scripture says they're saved by Christ. He still made the door for them. They came in through the door, and they get to meet him in heaven. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that you that you kind of qualified that statement that not to be confused with, you know, maybe 5, 10, 20 other types of religions that would suggest that there are other gods besides the one true god. The, but the fact is that you can see the fingerprint of God on life all around us if you will just look for it. Yeah, it's well, it's it's looking for you. I mean, Romans 1 says it's undeniable and the invisible traits of God are highly visible through the created world alone so that we have no excuse. And that's, it's slant, every time the breeze hits you in the face, it's God saying, it's nature saying, look, there's a source, humble yourself. So you don't have to look that hard. I mean, it's there. Yeah, it is. And it wants to connect to you. It's kind of like he designed us to be magnets. He's one side and we're the other. And that's good. We're, we're, we're pulling toward each other and, why, you know, why, why fight it? <laughs> well, I love, I love, because I think that gives folks hope. 
Will, I think when folks hear that, it gives them an answer that they can look to Scripture, you know, whether we're talking about Abraham or we look at whether we look in Romans, we can look at Scripture and say, you know what, that fits, that makes sense. I can see how Christ is still there waiting for us. He made the way, like you said, and that's a visual for me. He made yeah. that doorway. And that's how those that have gone before us, before the fact that Christ came, died, and rose again, can rest in eternity f- forever. Yeah, and and he paid that price. He created a way, and God is just, and so he's not just going to at random condemn people to hell, and then say that they, they, it's all their fault. He wants people to be saved. He created people to have a relationship with him, and so it takes a pretty. I forgive this. I'm a forgive this, Jay. But I think it takes a pretty high degree of arrogance or dis- deceitfulness in a heart to look at the created world and render it meaningless and without a source. That's a heart that's been damaged an awful lot by a a difficult life or it's just flat out arrogant. You would never look at a children's painting and say that beautiful children's painting is completely accidental. The paint just came together and made this design. You would never deny that child the credit of his or her painting. God is the ultimate artist. I think it takes a pretty high degree of arrogance to to look at a sunrise and a sunset and and the beauty of a newborn baby and say, oh, it's just random. There's no source to that. That, that's where people begin to get on real thin ice with God because it reveals who he is and to deny who he is is what ultimately gets you in trouble in eternity. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably a, a definitely a bigger picture at play when you're not recognizing what kind of looks like the obvious to know that things, all these wonderful things don't just happen by happenstance. Yeah. yeah I think you're really looking for a way to not believe than you are trying to believe. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's well said. Well, Will, you know, we're, we're about coming to the end of the show, and, and it, it always flies by for me. It always is a little too fast. But as we come to the wrap-up of it, you know, you and I spoke pre, pre-interview pre about this book, and I really feel like that this book acts, and, I, and we talked about this, and you've kind of agreed to this point, that, that your book, A Man Who Told Us the Truth, really acts as like a, a business card for Christ, it's, it's something that we can hand out. It's something that we can share with someone, and it can do a couple of things. It can answer tough questions, and that's why I asked you some of those tough questions, because those are the questions that people want to ask, and maybe they're afraid to. Maybe they're not quite sure how to. Maybe they don't really know if they should, but A Man Who Told Us the Truth, this book does that. It answers those questions, and it reminds me a lot of Lee Strobel's approach in his writing. I have a bunch of Lee Strobel books. You know, The Case for Christ is probably what he's most known for. But it's that inquisitive answer. So you don't feel like you're being attacked. You feel like you're being charged or challenged. And you're on this, you're on this, not this chase, but you're on this hunt to find the truth. Yeah. And so you did a a really nice job on allowing folks to be part of this journey in this book without feeling like they're being hit on the head. (laughs) Thank you. I wrote it to people I care about, and it's in the language to an unbeliever. It's not It's not written to Christians. It's a, it's a book Christians, I think, love and enjoy, but they're going to want to hand it to their unbelieving friends because the person I'm addressing is not a Christian. Yeah. So I try to write in a language he or she will understand. Yeah, well, I think you accomplished that. So in this book, I mean, I know this book, it's probably one of the things that's most pressing on your heart right now, but when we when we look at Will Davis— 
what what's going on in your life right now, whether it be a project or this book or something related to your ministry, non-ministry related, what has got you most excited in your life these days? God's given a lot of favor to our church in the city and, and honestly around the world as we have gotten, we fell in love with missions about a decade ago. And we give away a lot of money. We give away about 50% of our resources. We're actually trying to do more than that. And we're really getting to have some impact in justice and helping solve some of the problems of the world and plague our city and plague our world. And just to get to do that and to get to be part of the solution in the name of Christ, including helping men, women, and boys and girls know who Jesus is, is just thrilling. And ACF's uniquely postured, along with some other churches in the city and around the country, to be real generous and to make a dent in some of the things we're struggling with. And I, I wake up every day and pinch myself that I get to do it. I'm writing, a, I'm maybe writing a book that I'm kind of toying with. We'll see. And the biggest thing in my life, honestly, is my daughter's getting married November 5th, my last child. And basically my, my take on that, Jay, is she's having a big party where she can change her name and she wants me to pay for it and bless it. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> Does she want you to preside over it? Are you going yes, to marry Yes, oh, that too. So, no, it's terrible. She's going to take this guy's name, cease to be my daughter with last name Davis, and she wants me to pay for the party and bless the event and then encourage her to kiss him at the end. Yeah. None of which I'm willing to do. Yeah, that so, sounds like a bad joke. It's a bad, it is a practical joke, and I'm the butt of it. So there you go. <laughs> There's my reality. <laughs> uh, that is exciting. November the 5th, your daughter's November 5th, married. my last one. Yep, she's a sweetheart. Wow. So you guys are going to be empty nesters soon. We are, and bring it on. We're ready. Yeah, I hear you. I had an awesome interview with, uh, he's become a friend of mine. His name's Pastor Matt Hurd, and he and his wife are recent empty nesters, and he is loving it. And you know, he's an avid climber like yourself. He's from, Col- you he's from Colorado, and he just gets to do more of it. So Yeah, uh, that he has a home field advantage. Yeah, he does have a home field advantage. Yeah. Well, Will, where can, where can listeners find more information about this book? Thanks for asking. Obviously, it's on Amazon. It's available in Kindle and in an audiobook format. My website, Will Davis Jr., WillDavisJR.com, has this book and all the other books I've written as well. I think I have nine or eight or, more, eight, or, eight or nine more. And you can get it there as well. I blog. I have information about ACF there. My website's very helpful and intended to engage people. So you can go to the website, Will Davis Jr., or go to Amazon. And you'll find it there. So would that also be the best way for listeners if they wanted to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, if you buy it from my website, and because so many people buy this in bulk, they buy 20 or 30 copies. I think after you order, I think it's after you order 20 copies, the book goes to half price. So it's 10 price below 20 copies. A lot of people buy 20 to 50 copies and the book price drops to five bucks. Amazon doesn't do that. And so we want people to buy it in bulk and give it away. So if you buy that there, you get it cheaper on my website if you buy a bunch of them. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, because this is one of those books that you will, you, you'll want to do that, but you're going to have to read it yourself, Bless Nation, so you can see what I'm talking about. Well, Will, I sure enjoyed our time together, brother. Yeah, you're great at this. You might you might have a future in this. Man. Keep it up. <laughs> well, I hope so from your from your lips to God's ears. So, God, there you, go. you hear there you Will go. on this? I do appreciate <laughs> you being on the show today. I mean, and for sharing so much with us in a, in a candid, but in an honest way. And I, I hope for you, that this time has been as much of a blessing for you as it has been for, for, for me and for Bless Nation. It has indeed, and you've done it really well. You're a great guide, and so thank you for letting me be part of it. You're very welcome. Well, Bless Nation, I'm grateful for you guys being here today because this show is, is for you guys. It's to bring you to the fullness of a life in Christ. And I hope and pray that Will's time and my time with you has done that. So it's an, it's an awesome opportunity to get to be your guide uh, for this time that we've got to spend together 
as we move down the path of your blessed night, uh, of your blessed life. So, Bless Nation, if you enjoyed the episode, you know, I would love to ask that you would give the show a rating and review in iTunes. You know, all this does is it allows us to share the message with more folks. So if you would do that, you go to the iTunes podcast app, you type in under the search bar, Your Blessed Life, and you'll see the, the art there, the, the, uh, the show art. You just click on it, click on the write your rating review, put the number of stars you want, and you're on your way. So thank you so much for your support, and we look forward to sharing that very next episode with you. And so before I say goodbye, I want to leave you with something. And if you've heard the show before, it won't shock you, but I hope it'll bless you. And it's this, that God loves you and he wants to bless you.